3: Brian Kilmeade. I
4: appreciate you being with us and being with us all week long. Brian Kilmeade here. Brian Kilmeade Show coming your way. Bottom of the hour, Dr. Jeanette Neshwad will be here. Make heads or tails of the surging COVID problem over in Europe and why we should uh, brace ourselves for a second wave while uh, having an outdoor Thanksgiving. Fantastic. Uh, Meanwhile, we had a chance to uh, take in uh, dueling town halls uh, over the uh, last night we also had a chance to watch the president outwork Joe Biden every step of the way. Now we hear the vice president nominee, Kamala Harris, had some staffers test positive. So she's doing what she always does. Now she has an excuse not to do anything. She doesn't do any interviews, hardly any appearances. I'll talk to Rachel Maddow and shoot the breeze a little bit. I've never seen a vice president's candidate have such little impact intentionally than her. 20 million people have voted already. Is that a stunning number? It is for me. 20 million, 1 million have already voted in Texas. All-time highs. Let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three. What is your advice about Thanksgiving?
5: I think people should be very careful and prudent about social gatherings. You may have to bite the bullet and sacrifice that social gathering.
4: Anthony Fauci, he's great at this. Uh, Policy by interview. Here we go again. COVID-19, experts saying would be a stay-at-home Halloween and an outdoor Thanksgiving. Is that the right thing to do? Is that right for you as Europe is getting whacked by a second wave? Number two.
6: I can go through with you with a list of things that George Stephanopoulos did not ask uh, Joe Biden about, starting with the New York Post story. A very simple question could have been, did you, yes or no, ever meet with anybody from Burisma. There are emails saying that you did. Are those emails false, or did you have such a meeting?
4: What's wrong with that? Ari Fleischer, you're 100% right. New York Post story that few want to tell and Biden supporters don't want to hear. It is not going away, I have news for you, as more and more Biden family emails uh, begin to surface. What we now know is coming your way and the social media giant's refusal to publish and ban those that do, that the do, has landed them
7: in the hot seat next week.
6: Number one. So oh, you're still really?
7: not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I don't say I, it depends on how this turns out. Not how he wins, but how it's handled.
2: You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. You didn't. He, you you denounced did. white supremacy. No, you always question do to you. I
8: denounced white supremacy, okay?
4: Way too abrasive. Not sure how he benefited, but he did keep people off the Biden show, which was a, a series of layups and one underhand pitch. Dueling town halls, the best example to date of how the media battles Trump and coddles Biden. We will play you the contrast and bring forward the simmering support that might just deliver Trump four more years, despite the unimaginable coordinated headwinds. And oh, yeah. Remember the debate we were supposed to have last night? The moderator admitted, kinda, we knew it all along, that he lied about being hacked. Talking about Steve Scully. Remember last Friday, we were talking to Frank Farenkoff about his uh, uh, bizarre decision, uh, along with the other panelists, about to postpone the debate or, excuse me, make it a virtual debate, at which time President Trump said, I'm not doing the virtual debate. Forget it. And now uh, we had no debate. Last time we had town halls. Well, I asked him, too, Frank Farenkoff, hey, by the way, you're Steve Scully guy. You know, his first internship was for Joe Biden. He worked full time for Ted Kennedy. He's tweeted out, never Trump, never. And then I said the night before, he tweeted out the Scaramucci, the, the ultimate anti-Trump, Who's a, I like him, I'm a friend of mine, but he uh, hates Trump's guts. What should I do about the, some of the barbs I'm getting in the media from Donald Trump? And Scaramucci came back and said, uh, leave it alone. More stuff is coming down this week. He's had a rough week. Well, he said, well, I was hacked. That wasn't me. Then it turns out I was lied. He's been suspended. We called it. Uh, from day one, That would have been the big story. Can you imagine having a moderator get the anti-Trumper picked by this debate commission, supposedly nonpartisan, but yet he has all these democratic oars in the water and lying on top of that. And we we'll would say he's a great guy I've never met him, that I know of. But I just would like somebody that doesn't have doesn't have it out for one of the candidates. Why is that so hard? So do you give me an idea of what took place last night in case you were? Uh, just doing things, living your life at a scrimmage for your one of your kids. Here's a little of the tone of Savannah Guthrie pressing Donald Trump on a story that should have been put to bed years ago and maybe never brought up. Cut one.
2: You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. You asked some follow-up questions, who specifically a couple of days later, on a different show, oh, you, you, you denounced white supremacy. No, My question to you is... Y- you've done this today. everybody... It seem
8: like... I denounce white supremacy, okay? You did I two denounced days later. I denounce white supremacy for years. But you always do it. You always start off with the ca- well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. Th-
2: this so is a little bit ready? of
8: a dodge. Are, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question?
2: Do you feel... It feels sometimes
8: you're hesitant to do so. Like you wait to Here bait. we go again. I denounce white supremacy. Okay.
4: It's ridiculous. So, what happened is Hollywood, about 100 Hollywood producers and so called celebrities, if we still have them, uh, wrote a, a, a petition letter to NBC saying, Why would you give Donald Trump, who's the president, a town hall as if networks aren't in competition with each other? Well, Joe Biden got a series of layups. Now, what I'm talking about is nothing wrong with giving respect to a candidate, but why not give respect to a president? And not so much what you ask, but how you ask the attitude and the the confrontational tone, because you're trying to atone, perhaps, for your celebrity friends that are mad at you. Here's an example of the different tone and the different style questions that both received last night at the same
8: time.
2: You have said repeatedly, the only way we lose this election is if it is rigged. Now, that is simply not true. How about
8: that question of expanding the court?
2: There is, in fact, no evidence of widespread fraud, and you were sowing doubt now, about our democracy. But is
8: the nomination of Judge Barrett reason enough to rethink your position?
2: But you haven't replaced. Now, you've been no, in office no. almost four years. If
8: it's effective, will you mandate its use?
2: You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't.
4: It's tone, too. And the president took it, didn't complain. David Bosse, he told us today he's with the president right now, Marilago, lago He was with him last night. He said he didn't complain. He said they're tough questions. They were fair. And he doesn't mind. The president sits down with Jonathan Swan, Chris Wallace, doesn't mind. Sits down with Lester Holt, he doesn't mind. Sits down with Ste- uh, Stephanopoulos, sometimes in a much different tone, he doesn't mind. You know, he would rather have fairer questions. And you could do that after four years. Why do you want this job another four years after what you've been through? And just talk about it. And then you hit him with, listen, you, you hesitated on this. You got a lot of blowback on your uh, lack of denunciation, uh, denouncing white supremacy. Boom. Move. And by the way, these are, these are boring, same old, hateful questions. There's nothing. How about this? You said you're going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. You have almost 400 miles of wall. Where's the proof that Mexico paid for it? Boom. I hear there's a surge of illegal immigrants coming across the border. Does that show your your immigration policy has failed? So you could challenge him on issues that matter, especially the people in Texas who evidently Texas is in play right now. So I think that that would have been a different tone. Stephanopoulos was laid back and I couldn't believe and I thought he would just bring up the New York Post story. You could even do it like Anderson Cooper did it and say a story that's very, very uh, dubious, is in the New York Post today, not published wisely by social media. But would you like to address your son's role in Barisma, Bur- uh, And would you like to also address the fact that he has claimed in this email to have set up with number three executive at Burisma? And if you have a good answer, you don't mind it. But I don't think Joe Biden has a good answer, and we're never going to know. But I hope someone will call him out on it, because they've been calling him out on packing the court, which— He wasn't really around to answer. He was pressed and did finally say he would tell us before he leaves. Cut nine.
7: So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I didn't say uh, it depends on how this turns out. Not how he wins, but how it's handled. How it's handled. I mean, it depends on how much they rush this. By the way, that is not acceptable. What are
4: you talking about? So if he says rushing that, they're talking about Amy Coney Barrett. She's done a great job. The vote's going to be on the 22nd committee. It's going to leave committee. It's going to go to the floor. It's going to get passed a few days, a week before the election. So if you're George Stephanopoulos, he knows this inside and out. He hosts a Sunday show. You say, well, what is there to know? I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. And would you pack the court after that? Because it'll be a 6-3 Republican appointed attorneys, uh, Supreme Court justices. The other thing I want to talk about is the reaction. Ari Fleischer weighs in. And you know, Ari Fleischer will call out Trump when he needs to be. He absolutely wants him to win. He clearly likes the president. Clearly different from his old boss, George Bush. Cut 12.
6: Trump's right. Ask Joe Biden about Antifa. George Stephanopoulos did not ask him to denounce Antifa by name tonight. I can go through with you with a list of things that George Stephanopoulos did not ask uh, Joe Biden about, starting with the New York Post story. A very simple question could have been, did you, yes or no, ever meet with anybody from Burisma. Their are emails saying that you did. Are those emails false or did you have such a meeting? What do you think of big tech censoring anybody who wants to talk about the New York Post story? None of that brought up tonight by George Stephanopoulos.
4: Which is pretty astounding. So the big story in the New York Post is uh, this email thing. And it's the third straight day in which we're getting new emails, uh, one of which is a long email that says it's an email to his daughter, Hunter Biden, to his daughter, saying that, you know, when, when I, you do something, unlike what I have to do, I'm not going to ask you for 50 percent of everything you earn. I'm tired. Of, I've supported this entire family forever. Really? Hunter Biden, with his much ballyhoo confirmed, six days in rehab, has been supporting the family? I mean, I do know these look like big numbers with Burisma, big numbers with China. But that's an interesting family dynamic, isn't it? And these emails that they exist have not been denied as their authenticity by Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. No one said, oh, those emails, total fraud. No. They even said that they can't prove, they're not sure, they haven't committed to not meeting, even though it was on, not on the official calendar, the Burisma executive. What's significant about that? Well, Joe Biden said, I never met with anything. Didn't even know what my, what my son was doing. But he golfed with his partner, Archer. There's pictures of that. And now we find out that he met in Washington with the number three in that company. Does it bother you at all if you're an undecided voter that the guy's flat out lying? Here's Miranda Devine, been all over the story with the New York Post, Cut 26.
9: Today we published uh, the China emails, documents that showed... Tens of millions of dollars, even hundreds of millions of dollars, flowing to the Biden family uh, from Chinese companies, Chinese state owned companies that are linked to the Chinese Communist Party. Um, For instance, uh, in one deal, Hunter Biden is uh, getting $10 million a year for, quote, introductions alone. This is from a Chinese energy company. Um, In another case, he's on a $1 million retainer for supposed legal services. In another case, I think you mentioned, there is a company, um, lucrative uh, new Chinese company that split up six ways and uh, allocated 20% here, 10% there. Hunter Biden gets 20%, but he also gets another 10% that he is holding for, quote, the big guy, whoever that might be. You, you, you can use your imagination.
4: I don't have to. I mean, it has to be Joe Biden. I mean, there could be a big guy could be hanging out with a really big guy, a tall guy. He could be heavy or it could be his dad, who is the big guy in terms of the guy with the power. And he's the one providing the access. Another was labeled Robert Biden, August 2nd, 2017. It involves a deal that appears that Hunter Biden is seeking at least $10 million per year. The chairman changed the deal after, quote, we met in Miami to a much more lasting and lucrative arrangement to create a holding company 50% owned by me and 50% owned by him. So this guy's doing international deals with almost no experience except for a stint at Amtrak with a known crack addiction, don't tell me he's not trading on his dad's name, and he won't do it again. How the heck could you have your son with a, with, with a Chinese energy company in China splitting an office with him, knowing that the dad could be president, and they are a number one rival? They just steamrolled Hong Kong, taken over the Chi- South China Sea, made their own islands, militarized their own islands, and he's playing basketball with President Xi the last time they met. I'm not kidding. And now they are getting ready for war, according to their last statement from President Xi, against us. And meanwhile, the sun's in bed with this huge Chinese-owned, state-owned energy company. Don't tell me that that's not an issue. It's an issue. I'm going to come back and take your calls on that. And then we're going to dive into this coronavirus. It's coming back in the Midwest. Uh, It is affecting our holidays. And it's really covering Europe again. Are they really going to blame Donald Trump for all this? when they seem to be having all these problems with the virus, we still don't know how we got. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: And we all believe in freedom of the press, but don't forget, big tech got something years ago that let them become big tech. They got total protection. They don't get sued. They don't get anything. They're totally protected. So the government gave that. So that takes away that little feeling that, oh, gee, we can't talk to them about freedom of the press, etc. No, we're going to take away their Section 230 unless they shape up.
4: And that is the President of the United States knowing he had a town hall. He did a 1 o'clock event yesterday. Today he's got three events, and he'll be in Florida to start. So it's very impressive, his work ethic. And keep in mind, too, one of the things he's uh, capitalized on now is what's happened with Facebook and Twitter doing the best they can to squelch not only his his account, but supporters and stories that hurt Joe Biden, like the one in the New York Post. So unexplainable, the CEO of Twitter has a— A date next week in Washington with the Senate Oversight Committee about their use and what they're doing in terms of picking winners and losers in this election. What is the Section 230? Here's how it reads. 230, the Communications Decency Act passed by Congress in 96 quotes. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as a publisher or speaker of any information provided by that content provider, which means they're just putting it out there, don't sue me, don't shoot the messenger. Now we're looking to shoot the messenger. Nick in Rockland. Hey, Nick.
10: Yeah, Brian, I had a good idea for the president. I think he could win back a lot of voters. No. Uh, if you look at swing state Wisconsin, having a big arising cases. If he wants to win back voters, he could go there, hold press conferences with the governor, say what they're doing to help out with the
11: virus, and he could wear a mask there. And Arnold rallies, but it's still a swing state, in Wisconsin, and he can win back tons of voters if he starts going there and starts talking about the virus. My second uh, point is that uh, John James in Michigan, if you look at the latest poll from the New York Times, is down by one point. Yep.
4: His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every
6: single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you're subscribed to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. That's
11: big, that's big and, and for the control of the Senate.
4: Great point, Nick. Uh, thanks for uh, picking up the pace, too. No, that one, uh, I don't think going over there with the Democratic governor of Wisconsin will work, but going over there and talking about what needs to be done and addressing it might be interesting. Keep in mind, too, for those people who think that uh, – Biden won already, like, for example, Joe Biden. In 2016, Hillary had a 12-point lead, according to Monmouth, and CBS had Hillary up 10 points at this exact date. In Florida, they had Hillary up by five points. She would lose Florida, and she would win the popular vote, but she would lose in all these battleground states because bottom line is Trump surged. There's a hidden Trump voter. There are more hidden than ever before. And when it comes to flat-out voter registration, guess who has outworked whom? It looks like knocking on doors, it's Trump by a mile. It looks like voter registration in Pennsylvania, New Mexico, and Arizona, Trump by a mile, as well as Wisconsin. And people, keep an eye on how unpopular that Governor Witcher is in Michigan. That will help Trump, because they are clearly at loggerheads and rivals. When we come back, we go inside the virus, and then we go back to you in the phones with Dr. Jeanette Neshwat. Why are they surging? Are we preparing for a second wave? Should we stay home on Thanksgiving?
12: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
3: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
12: I'm Phil Black in London where tough new restrictions on people's personal lives are set to kick in. From this weekend, it will be illegal for people who don't live together to spend time together indoors. So no hanging out with wider friends and family in homes, cafes, restaurants, anywhere inside. It will be harder for people to maintain and draw support from key personal relationships. There will be similar restrictions in other parts of England, but London's mayor says it's necessary here because it's clear the virus is spreading rapidly in all parts of the capital
4: in Europe, uh, in the uh, Europe, Eastern uh, Czech Republic has the highest, uh, the highest average. And right now they have so many patients need to be hospitalized. They're sending them to Germany, which is also experiencing a a second wave in France. uh, They had a lot. They have essentially locked down in nine major cities. They are saying they're going to do that for six weeks and then see where they stand. We're doing the one move, the lockdown. Whether it's Europe or here, Italy, the largest daily increase ever. They're looking at a Christmas lockdown. Seven thousand three hundred new cases, one hundred twenty-nine death toll. And for the UK, as much as the cases arriving, so is the uh, rising, so is the anger. More restrictions spike across the country. And, of course, they're taking out on Boris Johnson. Let's bring in Dr. Jeanette Neshwat. Dr. Neshwat, I could play these and I might play some more. In Europe, they're experiencing a second wave. Are you surprised?
10: Good morning, Brian good morning no i'm not surprised everyone is out and about back to work back to school you know they're going out again they're they're living life and, and being human but they they have to remember they can't let their guard down they still have to you know practice those preventative measures of social distancing, wearing your mask, being careful, getting tested if you feel like you were exposed, and it's not easy. We're human beings, and, and by nature, we're, we're meant to interact with other people, but we have to be careful, especially if you're in those high-risk groups, if you're older with you know heart disease, lung disease, that but,
4: sort of thing. But Dr. Neshwa, we did see the WHO back up, yeah. but we all began to know that the, yeah. the, the downside of lockdowns outweigh the plus sides of lockdowns. I agree.
10: I, I agree. The lockdown should be a last resort, and we've learned this. We didn't know this initially seven, eight months ago. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't know what to expect. So but we're that doing was, it again. Know, it was reasonable. What was
4: that? We're doing it again. We got two, uh, two or three boroughs in uh, in New York City going to be into lockdown because of some clusters. So it's like we seem to have one move as a nation.
10: Yeah. Blanket lockdowns are, are not the key. Look, if we've exhausted all of our resources and all of our efforts and energy and we've done everything and we can't control it in a specific certain region, that's one thing. But the key is, is making sure we have broad surveillance Testing. We have people that can do that contact tracing. We're able to put people in quarantine who test positive. We're able to educate and teach them stay home if you're sick. But um, blanket uh, quarantine, uh, blanket lockdowns are not the key. Uh, Brian, it, it really I have seen firsthand with my patients. I'm at work right now. I have seen the anxiety, the depression, the weight gain massive weight gains, obesity that leads to diabetes and heart disease, which causes over half a million deaths a year. Um, so the, the the detrimental impact of, of lockdowns, especially blanket lockdowns, is now that I've learned, that we've all learned, is more harmful than um, shutting down. So certain specific regions and certain specific communities, um, if they're not abiding by the rules and they're having massive uh, outbreaks, like, for example, in certain parts of New York, we were at less than 1% positivity rate, and it's quadruple. So in that specific tiny area, yeah, okay, you might need to pause, close down for two weeks, but uh, the blanket lockdowns are not the key. It causes more harm.
4: We also know it's uh, my, the, the my cases are rising in Wisconsin, in North Dakota, yeah. in South Dakota, but what have we learned now that could keep hospitalizations down and deaths down?
10: Yeah, yes, especially with the with the cold, um, uh, the flu season coming, what we're learning is the most important thing is wearing your mask, trying to avoid um, crowds where you have your elbow to elbow, you can't social distance because masks aren't 100%. They definitely will help, but they're not 100%. So I think the two bi- biggest factors are wearing your mask and trying to avoid crowds, especially around people you don't know. Um, I think those are the two biggest things. And then, of course, we all know cleaning, disinfecting, air filtration, ventilation. The filtration is crucial as well because we've learned that the virus can remain suspended in the air. So that's another big one as well, in my opinion, if we can tackle those two things um, in addition to to living a healthy lifestyle. Because if you keep a strong immune system, Mm -hmm. you want your your immune system to be strong and, and healthy to fight any infection that's why we say get your flu shot yeah but that's why when they shut down
4: and when they shut down gyms and tell you forget it rather than letting gym owners try to make it and by the way i've not seen a surge since they opened up gyms on long island that is one thing we should be doing eating right and working out that should be part of the message
10: yeah yeah, to, to, to ensure a strong, healthy, robust immune system. For example, we, we say get your flu shot. The reason is if you get the flu, you have a, a compromised immune system where you might become more likely to, uh, to acquire other diseases, whether it's coronavirus or pneumonia or a staph infection. Um, so you're, you're indirectly protecting yourself from other diseases if you, if you can um, you know right. get things like your flu shot and take care of your, your health and your body overall, so, get so, enough sleep, no drugs. Right. Uh, I,
4: I'm watching alcohol. the BBC this morning, and yeah. they are uh, they are doing tests in, on their own. They have test kits good. that they can test yeah. on their own. Why can't we do that? How, where are we, those tests?
10: Well, you can. You can order those home tests. Um, I, I, I personally wouldn't use them. But right now, you can go see your doctor, go to a walk-in clinic. We have good testing now that we didn't have seven, eight months ago. We've got the rapid antigen test. We've got the PCR molecular test. So there's no excuses. We can do the tests. We have them. You know, the White House administration, um, okay. Admiral Good. Gerard, remember, they put out 150 million rapid tests. That's extraordinary. I've already conducted this week alone uh, you know, a couple of hundred of, of PCR and rapid tests. So it exists. We have it. You can do it. There's no excuse.
4: All right. So here's Dr. Scott Atlas with Laura last night on masks. Thirty four.
13: The evidence on on universal masking is really pretty weak. Uh, In fact, the World Health Organization does not recommend universal masking. Uh, Professor Hennigan, who's from Oxford University's Center for Evidence-Based Medicine, says after 20 years of pandemics two decades we 're still not sure about universal masking. The CDC study that the President was quoting showed that seventy percent of people who got this the uh, virus had worn masks all the time, over eighty percent almost all the time. So, I mean, I think it's a sort of a lame, bizarre uh, obsession at this point to claim that everyone must have universal masking when it really, the cases explode through it. We have states, we have L.A. County, we have Miami-Dade County, we have Hawaii, we look all over the world, Philippines, Spain, France, U.K., mask mandates don't work. The president has a rational, common-sense mask policy. And by the way, there are mask mandates
4: in Europe, in Italy, and in France— and they're still seeing a rise. Where do you stand?
10: Yeah, so it's, it's funny when people when, when you put mandates and force people to do things that it usually makes them not want to do it with the mandate for the Affordable Health Care Act, the mandate for masks. Um, I think if you are indoors in close contact with other people that you don't know, put a mask on, protect yourself. But um, it's it's something that you can't force people to do um, if they're, you know, in a public area, um, you, you know, outdoors. They're, they're, they're able to have six to ten feet um, between one another, but um, we do have choices. But you also have to consider the health and well-being of your neighbor who may be at a high risk of complications, who might be a cancer patient or have you know, COPD or cystic fibrosis or kidney transplant. So don't just think of yourself. Think of others as well. Right. Um, but. Uh, masks, for example, indoors, I believe are are, are helpful, but outdoors and no, nobody around within six to ten feet, no, I don't think that it should be a requirement outdoors when there's nobody um, within six to ten feet. But indoors, you're in close contact with the people, I would want to protect myself. Um, you never know who, what someone else could be carrying. But remember, asymptomatic, we have studies that show 50 to 75 percent um, can be asymptomatic and, and potentially spread. So, if, you know, if you're around family, fine, that's one thing. But if you're around people that you don't know where they've been, you don't know if they just came off of an airplane from Europe, um, it's just a good idea to protect yourself. It's, it's, and it's not like we're saying, hey, we're at 24-7. Just when you're in, in vulnerable situations is probably a right. good idea to do that. All
4: right, so I want you to hear Dr. Anthony Fauci on the holidays. Cut 30.
1: What is your advice about Thanksgiving?
5: I think given the fluid and dynamic nature of what's going on right now in the spread and the uptick of infections, I think people should be very careful and prudent about social gatherings, particularly when members of the family might be at a risk because of their age or their underlying condition. Namely, you may have to bite the bullet and sacrifice that social gathering unless you're pretty certain that the people that you're dealing with are not infected. All right. uh, So let's just forget
4: Thanksgiving. We also have to forget Halloween. So that's imaginative. Or outdoors.
11: Sure, so I think Doctor, I agree with Dr.
10: Fauci, just be cognizant of your surroundings. Um, you know, you could always go get a rapid test if you're gonna go to a turkey Thanksgiving dinner, that way you can enjoy your, your, your turkey dinner with your family outdoors. So um, it's, I, I don't think, you know, you need to wear a mask if you're outdoors and you're not in close contact with with other people, I think it's okay. Um, if you're in small little crowds of people that you don't know, yeah, you might wanna protect yourself, but hey, look, you're gonna be wearing a Halloween costume, right? So let's let's protect the kids because you know kids
4: can be right. spreaders just as much as adults. And uh, Dr. Neshwad, you you see more yeah. patients than I ever do. I just see people. You <laughs> see people that need help. But I will yeah. say this: when you factor in not seeing relatives for an additional for things like Thanksgiving and Christmas, which I thought sure that'll be next. Uh, what about the mental emotional health yeah. of going a year without seeing anybody different? You're going to watch seniors just wither away many of which are listening right now, and they're saying, wait a second, you guys got rapid tests, you haven't uh, you haven't tested positive. What about going ahead and saying, oh, take the rapid test, when you get it back, if everyone's clean, go have Christmas. Go have yeah, Thanksgiving.
10: Absolutely. Yes, uh, I think that's very reasonable. You're, if you're living a... Uh a lifestyle where you're not putting yourself in danger that you can pick up something and bring it back to the household. Yes, I I have a lot of patients that come in this morning. I'm going to see my parents. I just want to get tested. We did the 15 minute rapid test. I I said to to my patient, "You're, you're negative, but remember, no test is 100% still be safe. Take precaution. Even though you're negative now, you could walk out the door and pick up something. So just be careful. And I think that's very reasonable to do, to get tested. Go be with your family. There is no reason to not see your family and spend time with your your loved ones during the holiday. Just do it safely.
4: Right. What about remdesivir? Now all of a sudden that's being called into question?
10: Well, you know, we've got studies that show that it's been able to reduce your hospital duration by about four or five days, and reduce the viral load. You know, on paper, it, it technically it works. It, it short circuits the virus. It puts a kink in the virus from replicating. Um, So, you know, we have proof. We've had hardcore proof. We've had patients that have turned around. Our president has used it. Um, Of course, you're going to have new studies and new data that comes down. You just have to take it all into consideration. Um, But we've got still, we've got the remdesivir. We've got the antibodies. We've got the steroids. Um, Also, zinc has been shown, as we've heard. Zinc has been shown to help fight viral replication. Um, They say make sure you're not deficient in vitamin D. And... uh, We've got we've got a lot more um, uh, underway in development right now as far as th- therapeutics, which I'm, I'm really excited about. Right. We've got uh, Eli Lilly, even though they're paused, and then we've got companies like Cytodyne that are creating uh, monoclonal antibodies that right. can potentially help fight the virus. So, so lots, lots it, underway.
4: And lastly, real quick, uh, O positive, O bu- you you have a O positive blood type. Does that mean you're, you're less likely to get the virus? <laughs>
10: Well, there's this study that came out. I think there was one study that I read that showed if you have type A, you are more likely. If you are a man, you are more likely. Listen, anyone could pick up this virus. Um, if you have maybe 5% less chance, that's great. But just keep in mind, we are all vulnerable. We are all at risk. It doesn't matter your your blood type, your 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 race, your your, your ethnicity. Everyone is at risk. Um, and those who are at highest risk, which is really most important, are african American. Americans, um, Hispanic, Latinos, those are the the groups that have the highest um, death rates uh, that we are seeing. So I think that's really where we should put our focus.
4: Go get him, Dr. Neshwat. Have a good day. Keep saving Thank people.
10: Thank you, Brian. You be safe. We'll talk to you soon.
4: Absolutely. Dr. Jeanette Neshwat, she's uh, in the middle of treating patients, and she stepped out to talk to us, uh, Family and Emergency Medicine. Every single day, she's always got that great disposition, too. one Hope we answered some of your questions and let you know that if we're having a problem with the virus, we are not only not alone, we're a lot better off than these other nations that we call our allies.
3: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
5: Besides you ain't black, what do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them?
7: Well, I say, first of all, as my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to right to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Do you hear what you needed to hear? Uh,
13: I think so.
4: Yeah. I don't he did not, it makes no sense at all. Uh, it's made, absolutely ridiculous. He says he wants to put three- and five-year-olds in school, not preschool, and he wants to put psychologists in school. All right, great. Good luck with that. Jerry, lifting on the Fox News Radio app in South Bend, Indiana. Hey, Jerry.
3: Hey, Brian. I'm
14: just curious why more uh, moderators and all these people who uh, accuse Trump of white supremacy don't ask Kamala Harris, Joe Biden—
3: to denounce white, or I'm sorry, anti-Semitism, especially calling out Louis Farrakhan, who has a history of verbal and audio or and video hatred of whites and of of Jews. They should be put on the spot to denounce him.
4: Yeah, maybe I don't think they're really embracing him. I I think it's a little bit different. But I, I would say this: you have a, an interesting poll came out of American uh, the American Jewish community by 75 percent they're voting for Biden. I'm I'm astounded by that. Uh Joe, listen on WRCN. Hey Joe.
8: Brian, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning.
4: What's on your mind?
8: You hear me? Yep. Hey, no, Savannah Guthrie last night. I thought she was the over the top bias. She asked Trump uh if he denounced uh he it two days later he denounced white supremacy. That was a false narrative. If you listen to the Chris Wallace in the debate, as soon as Chris Wallace asked, he said sure, immediately. And Chris Wallace didn't hear him, and he kept talking. Then Trump said, sure, he said it again, I denounced it. He said, name a group
10: at that point. Oh, sh- I don't think she did her homework and listened to the tape.
4: Yeah, she just uh, looked at his uh, score, which he says his points, make sensational headlines, but nobody cares. Uh, and no one cared. Everyone knows he denounced it. I mean, it's, it, it's like coming out like pro-asteroid. What are you, trying to win over the white supremacist vote? No, there's no white supremacist out there that the president wants to win over. He never did. And he's offended by the question that keeps coming up. And that's just it. If you're always walking around saying, uh, of course I condemn it, you get ticked off after a while. But keep in mind, and Joe knows, Joe's a Trump supporter. The average lead, I was shocked by this, the average lead that Hillary had on this date four years ago was actually smaller, uh, was actually larger than Joe Biden has right now. The Monmouth Poll had Hillary Clinton up 12. The CBS Wall Street Journal had Hillary Clinton up 10. Had her up in Michigan by 11. Florida by 3. North Carolina by 3. And we know what happened. For those who think it's over, for Joe Biden, who is measuring the drapes, you are celebrating before you get to the end
12: zone. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum, the host of The Story on Fox News Channel, sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
3: From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Uh, live from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's been a wild week, but how many times have I closed out the week saying that? And I don't regret it, and I'm not being inaccurate. Will Kane will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Another lawyer-turned-talk-show host, like somebody else I'll be talking to shortly. Uh, will Kane will be hosting Fox & Friends weekend, which goes on for 5,000 hours over the weekend. He's done a great job. He'll be filling in, giving his opinion, as well as uh, Geraldo Rivera waiting in the wings. Uh, Quick thing, I cannot believe this, but 18 days to go until the election. But already 20 million people have voted in Texas. They surpassed 1 million. And for those of you who think this is done like, for example, Joe Biden, if you watched him yesterday or last night, the numbers with Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden at this point four years ago are stunningly similar. Oh, yeah. Biden actually has a smaller lead. I'll get into that. Big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
1: What is your advice about Thanksgiving?
5: I think people should be very careful and prudent about social gatherings. You may have to bite the bullet and sacrifice that social gathering.
4: Exactly. We have not been doing enough sacrificing. That's what I say every day. COVID-19. Experts say, goodbye, Halloween Outdoor Thanksgiving or no Thanksgiving? Is that really the right thing to do? Didn't the WHO just say enough with the lockdowns and lockouts? Number
6: two. I can go through with you with a list of things that George Stephanopoulos did not ask uh, Joe Biden about, starting with the New York Post story. A very simple question could have been, did you, yes or no, ever meet with anybody from Verisma? Their email emails saying that you did. Are those emails false or did you have such a meeting?
4: New York Post story never came up in a 90-minute, 90-minute town hall yesterday with George Stephanopoulos. It was sleepy. It was low-key. And Biden survived. I believe he thinks he won already. Meanwhile, the New York Post story not going away because it's not a New York Post story. It is a national story of national security interest. And the fact that Twitter and Facebook suppressed it and continue to suppress it in Facebook's case means they have a subpoena and a date in Capitol Hill next week.
6: Number one. So
4: you're still not a
7: fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I'd then say I, it depends on how this turns out. Not how he wins, but how it's
8: handled.
2: You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. You didn't. <laughs> you, 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 you denounced white supremacy. No, you My question to you I
8: denounced white supremacy, okay?
4: It's unbelievable. Uh, dueling town halls. The best example to date of how the media battles Trump and coddles Biden. We play you the contrast and we'll bring it to you and make you let you make the call if you were busy last night or on the Peloton or at soccer practice. And oh yeah, remember the debate we were supposed to have last night? The moderator admitted he kind of lied and he kind of doesn't like Trump and he got whacked, he got suspended. Can you imagine if the debate went through with a moderator that worked for Ted Kennedy, interned for Joe Biden, and tweeted out anti-Trump rhetoric and then lied about it and went to Anthony Scaramucci for consultation? Who, Anthony Scaramucci is a great guy, but he's an anti-Trumper. If you're a fair and balanced moderator, you don't go to Anthony Scaramucci. But you can go to Geraldo Rivera for anything. Am I right, Geraldo?
14: (laughs) Anytime, anytime. Uh, Scaramucci is your expert. Uh, I think you're already in trouble.
4: Right. Well, listen, uh, we get along, and of course he lives in this area. He's probably listening to us on WRCN or, or WABC, and I get it. But he was – that's where this guy Steve Scully was reaching out to. And if if you're Donald Trump, don't you just shrug and say, what more evidence do you need that the cards are stacked against me?
14: I, I follow uh, Anthony, who is a, a good guy uh, in broad strokes. Uh, but his hatred for the president is so – unrelenting it is so savage he he's so filled with bitterness over his experience uh, his 10-day 10 long tenure in the white house that he does everything he can to attack and undermine the president and the fact that steve scully was reaching out to anthony uh for what for hate bait uh, you know it really is uh, is is very telling, but I think this whole experience r- w- win lose or whatever happens uh, on November third we really now have the media lay bare uh, this is uh uh, the hatred toward the president and the and the active partisanship of uh, networks that were once storied for their objectivity and their uh, you know their professionalism, uh, their independence, uh, now they're just uh, lackeys. And I, I lament what's happened,
0: Brian.
4: So how about this? At the end of these hearings, and they were great. And listen, you're a lawyer. This was boring to you, but it was very educational for me, a non-lawyer. I liked it. I like the questions. I like the sparring with Amy Coney Barrett. I can't believe how competent and cool she is under pressure. Joe Montana looked more rattled than she did. So and I'm listening to this. And at the end of it, Diane Feinstein turned around and said, you know, Senator Graham, you were just classy in the way you handled this. And she gave him a hug. And there's outrage about the hug. And it's not coronavirus related. It's how dare you. Doesn't, isn't that emblematic of how divided we are?
14: It is absolutely. It's, it's deranged. It's, uh, it's how people have, uh, you know, ordinarily people are involved in politics and very often people are partisan. This isn't about that, that passion for democracy. This is about if you don't agree with me, you are, you are beneath contempt. If you don't agree with me, if you don't hate on uh, Donald Trump, then you must be a racist. You must be, uh, you know, uh, a fascist. Uh, It is it is so alarming. The the militants now and I see it, you know, it it was the rap on the right for for years, decades ago. Now it's pretty clear that uh, the the impact, for example, on uh, when NBC announced that they were going to have the audacity uh, to put on uh, Donald Trump opposite uh, Joe Biden, Uh, the 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 spontaneous (laughs) <laughs> revolt! I know a revulsion within the network. Hundreds of people, showrunners and producers and other uh, talent, past and present, bombarding the network. That's why Savannah Guthrie came out of the, uh, you know, came out of the box uh, with such f- ferocity, uh, you know, uh, such fury directed at the president is because her network said, "You better go out there and uh, put right. on a." but on the, uh, you know, uh, do one for the, take one for the uh, Gipper there. It was just really stunning to me. Very stunning and so telling.
4: President outworking again, his opponent, Fort Myers, he'll be in Florida today. Then he's going at Fort. that's at 1.30. At 4.15 Eastern time, he goes to Ocala, of course, an airport thing, and the crowds are getting bigger, but every appearance. And then he goes to Macon, Georgia. After that, the vice president is going to be in Southfield, Michigan, and Joe Biden being at work. Here's an example of Joe Biden's passage that he gets. Uh, a bo- uh, African American young man, probably 20, maybe tops, asked this question, and tell me if this is
7: a th- if this answer suffices. Cut 11. Every three and four and five year old will go to school, school, not daycare. School, and what all the great universities, including one you've gone to, go to or went to, in fact, talks about in the last eight years what's happened. What happens when you let them go to school? They make up rapidly the whatever the, whatever. Um, fail, wh- whatever shortcoming they had in terms of their education prior to that. They have not heard as many words spoken, et cetera, et cetera. What happens is that the studies show that 58% will increase by 58% their chance of going all through uh, 12 years of school and going through successfully. It will also provide for the ability to bring in social workers and, and school psychologists. I don't know what he's talking about.
3: Well,
14: it's you know, as as he rambles on with uh, platitudes and uh, and obvious uh, true truisms, because uh, of course we want early education and intervention. You could have said it much more crisply. I uh, could have made the point that he's going to fight for it. I uh, could have made the point that uh, uh, you know he, his his life has been devoted to uh, civil rights. I mean, it could have been some some passionate pointed. Uh, you know, response to that young man who was totally adrift and, and his eyes glassed over as Biden continued to ramble. And then, uh, you know, I, I thought at one point that uh, uh, the former vice president was going to tell the kid, give me your cell phone and we'll continue this discussion uh, uh, after the uh, after this uh, television show is over. Uh, it was, it, but, you know, the, the bar is so low that that ramble, uh, that uh, that k- kind of uh, uh, cliché after cliché after cliché strung together in, a, in an almost incomprehensible way uh, passes as, uh, as deep uh, social policy for Joe Biden. Trump could not get away with that in a million years.
4: You know what he would he'd say? He'd be
14: called on it. He'd be cut down. He'd be ridiculed. He'd, it would be reprinted everywhere.
4: You know what his answer would be? I want to give kids a school school choice to be able to go to these higher, higher education, these schools to give people an equal opportunity to be successful. And there's other people who are kowtowing to the teachers union that, that won't allow that. I know exactly how he'd pivot, and he means it. So I want to bring you to something else. I was just going over some of these stats, and it's amazing how similar, on the exact same date, Donald Trump is in the polls As he was in 2016, they say in 2016, uh, the Monmouth had him uh, trailing by Hillary by 12. CBS, Wall Street Journal had him trailing by eight. Had him trailing in Florida by four. North Carolina, three. Michigan, he was trailing by 11. In Arizona, he was up one. In Ohio, he was trailing by 1.5. We know in all those states, he won Ohio by eight. He won Arizona by a few. He shocked everybody in Michigan. We know he won in in, uh, North Carolina as well as Florida. So anyone who thinks that this is Biden's one win already, like everybody in the Biden camp, that's why he's been salted away and the vice, president's invis- vice presidential nominee is invisible, is doomed to repeat their failure, in my view.
14: Well, I, I certainly uh, you know hope hope you are right, but you have a situation where you didn't have uh, Trump was a surprise in 2016. And he wasn't getting, aside from the Access Hollywood tape, which was really egregious, and uh, he had to fight for his life after that, after that was published. And the female but that, lawsuits, that aside, too. Given the fact that he had such a, a checkered past, uh, uh, you know, uh, remember, I kind of grew up with him. Uh, it was 50 years there, uh, the, the first 40 of which he was not a politician, where everything, everything goes, and he had to deal with that. But it was much more benign. Uh, he was uh, kind of charming. Uh, people didn't have the, uh, the the venom, uh, the absolute hatred for him they do now. I don't think the left was as motivated in 2016 as they are now. So I'm, I'm not as confident that the polls aren't reflecting that Joe Biden is ahead now. Not that it's beyond hope, uh, but the, the president is, is working his tail off right now for a reason. Uh, but he, here's, a, here's one of the missteps. I think that he, he's being blamed for uh, this worldwide pandemic, which is absolutely preposterous and awful and very unfair. I mean, it's like uh, uh, Trump caused the deaths of a quarter of a million uh, Americans. I and uh, did they also blame him for the 100,000 new infections a day now in Europe? I mean, for God's sakes, the guy uh, did the best he could. And I, I think it's, it's horrible that he's, uh, he's being faulted the way he is. But couldn't he have? And this is one thing that, uh, you know, when the, in private conversations with him, urging the more Reagan-esque approach, he can be that, uh, uh, you know, the builder of that shining city on the hill if he, if he m- mitigated some of the, the harshness. Uh, why didn't he say that white supremacist thing with that kind of uh, d- definitive answer weeks and weeks ago when he was first asked about it? It's an easy thing. And the masks Why not, you know, uh, encourage masks? Uh, At at one point he said, uh, you know, it's it's polite and it's nice for your fellow citizens. He could have kept with that line. Right. And uh, these big rallies he's having over the next several days, uh, he, sh- he could easily say, you know, keep the masks on. It's a nice thing to do. And plus, uh, those fake media people there will notice it. You know, there's, there's ways that I, I wish that I was his campaign manager, uh, just the way I used to wish that I was his Twitter
3: editor,
4: Brian. So I want you to hear, for example, that's such a great point because. In the morning, I'm I'm flipping over to Sky TV and BBC and just see what's going on, especially because we're in this global pandemic, underlying global. And I can't believe that Macron and Boris Johnson and Merkel are experiencing the same exact thing. The Italian leader, the Spanish leader, the Czech Republic, they're all doing basically what we're doing, and they're experiencing a second wave. Listen to this international – this is CNN Reporter, cut, Cut 37.
6: Europe is once again a global hotspot for COVID 19 and hoping to avoid a full on return to the tragic toll of the spring. Many countries are already spiking upward, but higher case counts now do not automatically mean record death tolls ahead. Testing and treatment have significantly improved over the last six months. Just a few minutes ago, the British Foreign Secretary urged Manchester to accept a local lockdown that leaders are resisting. As numbers begin to climb in the UK. So that's an example.
4: U.S. and India uh, are now, uh, the uh, excuse me, India and, and the U.S. are being outpaced by Europe, who evidently did it right. Daily cases are up, hospitalizations are up. Now they're having nine cities locked down in France and in Germany, the same thing. They're looking at it as if they're helpless. They're trying. The only one who did stuff different was Sweden. Why can't people understand that you may not like President Trump, but if you look at the things he's doing, it's a lot of it is even better than our counterparts.
14: And how can the Democrats? You're absolutely right about, it, and your analysis is spot on. But how can the Democrats evade the, the the one truth in this? Is that this virus came from China? Yes. This virus came from China. China lied to the World Health Organization. And delayed the world's response to this obviously uh, profoundly destructive virus for six weeks that's a truth that's a truth that is undeniable and how can they not the Democrats not concede that the real villain in this play are the people who allowed this virus wherever it wherever it came from the uh, the uh, open-air market or yeah. the Wuhan lab or whatever it was, we know that they knew for weeks that this was person-to-person contact. That's how it was spread. Uh, it, it's, it is it is appalling to me that partisan politics gotcha. has allowed a kind of blindness to the truth as as, as deeply affecting as this is probably.
4: Geraldo Rivera, uh, look at his life. It's on Fox Nation. It is awesome. Geraldo, thank, and his career. Thanks so much, Geraldo.
14: My pleasure, brother. Well,
4: uh, next, you, one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade
12: from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
3: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Welcome back, everybody. I see you out there. We'll get to the phones, 1-866-408-7669. And also, keep in mind, too, is that if you ever miss the show or you leave your family, your local affiliate, go to radio.com, listen to us live. But you can just get the whole show on uh, Spotify, Brian dot Show.com. It's a whole podcast, or as well as iTunes and iHeart. So many people, they tell me the stats say that the average person only listens 12 minutes a day. So that's not fair to you because we're working for three hours and we need you to be listening all the time on your schedule. Mike, listening in Florida. Hey, Mike.
3: How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. I've um, got a couple points. One, I think that the town hall last night with Savannah Guthrie, I mean, she was supposed to be neutral, just to get people to her questions. And he, Mike,
4: he, I, I just got, I, you, just of it, you thought Savannah Guthrie's questions were too abrasive. I hear you. Gavin, KZRG, Missouri.
14: Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, Brian. Uh, something that's been uh, bothering me, Savannah Guthrie last night, uh, was telling Trump that he's asked point-of-blank to denounce white supremacy. If you go back to the the debate she's talking about a couple weeks ago, he was asked to denounce white supremacy and militias, which to me is a trick question and and, and loaded, and that's something I haven't heard anybody talking about. He asked him to denounce white supremacists
5: and
4: militias. Good point, Gavin. I'll, I'll listen to that back, and hopefully we can start previewing the next debate if it comes off next week. My fingers are crossed. I think we need to see it. I think Trump needs to do it. But I love the fact that he's got three events today. Look out, Joe. He's coming.
3: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
8: well right now it looks like they're gonna have a vote around halloween so if they vote on it That's before the election day. if they vote on it before the election you are open to expanding
7: the court i'm open to considering what happens from that point on
8: but don't voters have a right to know where
7: you? they stand? do have a right to know where I stand and i'll have a right to know where i stand before they vote so you'll come out with a clear position before election day yes Depending on how they handle this.
4: Really? What questions does he need answered? There's going to be a committee vote, there's going to be a floor vote, and he's going to pass. Even Mitt Romney said, I am voting for her. Will Cain's in here right now. He's a co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend, a lawyer himself. Will was on uh, yesterday. We were talking about this very thing. So that was the one time in which George Stephanopoulos did actually follow up. But again, he could have, there was another wave to that follow-up. Wasn't there, Will?
0: I think the wave that I would have liked to hear, Brian, is Joe Biden said he will announce it before the election to give voters the information they need on whether or not he would pack the yeah. court. But he also said... Voting's already started, which he's correct about. Some 20 million people have already voted. So why is he not giving those voters the information they need on whether or not he will pack the court? He's waiting because he doesn't want us to know the answer, and the answer is he will most likely seek with presumably a Democratic Senate to pack the court. If he's in.
4: If If he's in. But I'm just seeing some – by the way, what did you think uh, of the town hall? Which ones did you watch? Did you watch a little of both like most of us?
0: Yeah, I tried to flip back and forth. Here's what I thought. I thought um, obviously the President Trump town hall was much more entertaining for what it's worth. I'm not sure it's worth that much. I'm sure the ratings will reflect that as well. I thought that President Trump did well with an antagonistic moderator. And – that's why I think debates are so important. I think some of President Trump's strongest supporters want him to never be challenged the way Savannah Guthrie challenged him last night. I think that's wrong. It's not about whether or not Savannah Guthrie was good or fair. It's how you handle those adverse situations. And I thought he handled it really well. Mm-hmm. In fact, I thought he looked better in that situation than he does in some friendly environments. He kept calm. He allowed her to interrupt him, and he didn't interrupt her. Um, He took her questions, answered them, smiled, was somewhat charming. I thought it was a win for President Trump, and I think in general my ideology is you should confront those people who disagree with you. I believe in debate. I believe, and my career is reflected from ESPN to some time at CNN and being surrounded by people I disagree with. I think if you are standing on the – foundation of truth you will come out
4: looking better not worse right and i also think too when he sits down with jonathan swan he sits down with chris wallace and uh you know whoever is there he does it, it doesn't really bother him much in fact what he said to dave bossy today and dave bossy said oh, i don't like her tone and i thought she was too abrasive and the president said no i thought she was fair and he said that to hurt him because they both stayed at Marago lago last night and bossy's going to be with him today on his three uh three separate events and the same thing with uh, jonathan swan was on with our show too and he said I think he kind of liked going back and forth remember Jonathan the Swan made a lot of news out of that and he said I got to tell you something else I think he liked the Chris Wallace interview not the not the debate but the interview the the week before doesn't really mind it he just is used to that friction the stuff that would keep us up at night and we'd wonder oh my goodness they got my taxes oh my goodness they're um they're de- they're depositioning my son uh, oh my goodness you know I'm trailing in the polls. He, for some reason, has got this capacity to absorb it and function fine.
0: You know, the left's ideology controls every aspect of society, from higher education to the entertainment industry to the sports media complex and the sports industry and leagues themselves. Every single aspect of our society is basically controlled by one single ideology. The response of people on the right to that cannot be, I don't think should be, well, we're never going to participate. I think that insanity is reaching people, even those in the middle who might be undecided. The answer, I think, is to walk into those environs. Take that craziness on. Stand toe-to-toe, and hopefully your sanity and your logic will win. That right there, last night for President Trump, was an example. And by the way, Joe Biden kind of did the opposite. He went into a friendly environment with a friendly moderator – And I don't think it had near as big of impact.
4: Right. So I want you to hear. But again, I think in a way you're right traditionally, but the bar is so low with Joe Biden. The fact that he was able to talk and not fall over himself. And, you know, although we're playing some clips there, it's a lot worse than I thought upon further review. But he was able to sit there and look relaxed and confident. I think that is instead of getting a single, it ends up being a home run to a degree. But I want you to hear where Trump was smart yesterday because he must have been watching those Amy Coney Barrett proceedings a lot more and he's seen that a lot of his tweets and a lot of his statements even as a as a candidate have come back to go to give her a hard time when he said, I will not appoint a justice. It's not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I want to put somebody on the court because this thing could end up in the Supreme Court. So every Democrat was referring back to that. So he gets didn't get trapped last night, cut three.
8: I would like to see a brilliant jurist, a brilliant person who has done this uh in great depth and has actually uh, skirted this issue for a long time, make a decision. And that's why I chose her. I think that she's going to make a great decision. I did not tell her what decision to make. And I think it would be inappropriate to say right now, because I don't want to do anything to influence her. I want her to get approved, and then I want her to go by the law. And I know she's going to make a great decision for our country.
4: Right, that would have been played right back. Look at what the president said last night. He's there to win the election for me. She, he's there to overturn Roe v. Wade. He's there. She's there to get rid of Obamacare. That could have blown up the whole thing.
0: Yes, you know, Roe v. Wade. You have to look at it on two levels. There's the policy level of whether or not you support. What Roe v. Wade essentially instituted. But then there's the legal analysis of whether or not Roe v. Wade was a wise or good legal decision. And there are those, even on the left, who recognize Roe v. Wade was very weak jurisprudence, like it recognized this number of rights, it created rights to privacy where none existed explicitly in the Bill of Rights. And President Trump can nominate someone who, if in the past he said might overturn Roe v. Wade, but that doesn't necessarily reflect what his policy would be. And so that's just smart jurisprudence. That's just smart legal analysis to look at the Constitution, see how it reads, and go, that doesn't make sense.
4: Gotcha. I understand. So Joe Biden, here he is taking a couple of questions, uh, talking about about what will you do about packing the court? We talked about, but how about this? When he talks about the COVID vaccine, would he take it? Cut seven.
3: And once
8: we get it, if it's safe, it's if it's effective, will you mandate its use?
7: The answer is depending on how clear. There's vaccines. They say have a very positive impact, and they're going to affect positively 85 percent of the American public. Or there's others say this vaccine is really the key. This is this is this is the golden key. It depends on the state of the nature of the vaccine, when it comes out, and how it's being distributed.
4: You can't mandate a vaccine, can you?
0: I was getting ready to say, Brian, I missed that moment last night. It must have been over on the Trump town hall at the time. That is an extremely important question, and one both of these candidates should be asked. Will you mandate a vaccine? You can't. You cannot. You don't want to force the American people to take a vaccine, nor should you... Have to, sure, nor do you need to. I want an answer to that from both Trump and Biden. And I hope the answer is no, we will not and cannot mandate a vaccine. This is what we did get. We got a lot
7: of this from Joe. So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I do not say uh, it depends on how this turns out. Not how he wins, but how it's handled. How it's handled. I mean, it depends on how much they rush this. He
4: said depends probably 30, 35 times. (laughs) Couched it all. And that would be, for Stephanopoulos, see, I don't necessarily, I think George Stephanopoulos can be a good interviewer, and I like that he keeps it low, low low-key. And I thought for sure he would be much more determined with Biden to press him a little bit.
0: He did press him on that question. I did catch that interaction three or four times. Joe Biden was intent, though, on not answering it.
4: What about the New York Post story, the the New York Post is sitting right in front of you there? I mean, does it surprise you That it wasn't brought up. Even a leading question to get them out of it. Does it surprise you? 90 minutes, Will Kane.
0: I know. I'm struggling with how to answer that question. Because on its face, it's shocking. On its face, it should surprise me. But I'm becoming less and less so surprised. Brian, I'm telling you. I'm... I'm terrified by where we're headed or where we're headed in this country on several different levels. And I've talked about it with you the last two mornings on Fox and Friends. I think we're headed down a very, very dangerous path when it comes to race. I think individualism is being rejected and group identity is being elevated. Somehow, if you believe in judging someone by their character, you're a racist. But if you, you are intent on looking at someone through the prism of their skin color. Now you're woke. I'm terrified where we're heading on that. I'm also terrified of where we're heading when it comes to information. The New York Post story, which is suppressed by Facebook and Instagram, not asked about in a presidential debate. I brought this up with you this morning. There is a documentary that's coming out called Who Killed Michael Brown by Shelby Steele, an award-winning author. And it goes back to the issue in Ferguson and where it left us in terms of race relations. Well, Amazon Prime said... Nah, doesn't meet our quality standards. We're not going to put it up on Amazon Prime. Suppressing any information that you do not like, we're really headed down a dangerous path, Brian. I am terrified, and I really, truly believe this on both of these issues: information flow and race. It should not be a right-left thing. I shouldn't. It, if you're listening and you vote on the left, this should terrify you as well. This is absolute big brother, big tech, warp of the English language, subversion of values that were at the core of the founding of this country, and quite honestly, a moral view on humanity. Do we look at each other for who we are as individuals? Do we think we should take in all the information we can get and make up in our own minds, or should we flip that on its head? And allow big tech to tell us what we can read. I'm terrified, man. I
4: do think that it really started with the elections when they say, we got to go down to Florida and get the Latino vote. We have to go into the cities and get the urban vote, the black vote. I go, wait a second. You're categorizing because you know you got to approach this thing like a business. I get it. But if all we keep be telling that, you know, high school educated white people, uh, suburban moms, uh, 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 inner city African-Americans. So it's like everything gets categorized where we're looking just to put people into columns. Just for the vote, just for the election. Uh, Shelby Steele's coming on next week, right, Eric, you said? Okay, good. So we'll talk about that. I'm sure it'll be on Fox and Friends. All right, so we're going to come back a few more minutes with Will Cain. But keep in mind, Fox and Friends weekend gets started at 6 in the morning, goes till 10, and then Saturday and Sunday. So you put your eight hours in in two days. It's incredible. (laughs) Back in a moment.
3: Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade living the
12: bream is a podcast hosted by fox news channels shannon bream sharing inspirational stories personal anecdotes and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com america's listening to fox news
3: from his mouth to to your ears, ears it's brian kilmeade
7: it's a good thing that this debate was canceled because I, I can't imagine the uh, storm of cow feces that would be swirling right now if this news were to have broken five hours before the debate.
4: And this is the news of the moderator, Steve Scully, who interned for Joe Biden and worked full time for Senator, Senator Kennedy and has a tweeted out anti-Trump views like never Trump, never and then was caught tweeting out, thought was probably a direct message to Anthony Scaramucci on how he should handle uh, Trump's barbs about his background, lied that he was hacked, and Scully has been suspended indefinitely at C-SPAN for lying about this hack. Will Kane here, set to host Fox & Friends Weekend. Can you imagine if he still was going to moderate that debate last, and it was going to be a debate last night with all this background?
0: Yes, I can, because I would imagine most moderators probably share similar views to Steve Scully. The most indicting fact in that entire Steve Scully experience is probably the fact that he's suggested he's been hacked in three different occasions over a three-year period. Right. So he just keeps going back to the same well (laughs) and expecting
4: us to buy it. Right. So so that was – by the way, that also looks bad for the debate team that's making these selections on this moderator with this background. Why have anyone who's circumspect? There's got to be people out there that are not going to be open targets with their background.
0: I think I might have told you this, but I believe what Senator Ted Cruz has said we should do. Pick one person from each side of the ideological aisle. Let the biases be known. Let's be honest with the American people and then have those questions asked to the candidates from both of those prisms. President Trump has to take some questions from somebody on the left and somebody on the right, and Joe Biden has to take questions from somebody on the left and on the right. I'm perfectly fine. In fact, I think that's better.
4: You would? Yeah. That would be well. We tell you what, it would be a new dynamic. It would be much more. It would be interesting. It'll change that up. Uh, so it's almost like adding a DH to Major League Baseball. We're going to do this thing, Will. Uh, you, I don't want you to steal it. Again, okay. I'm okay. asking you not to. <laughs> right? I don't want to hear Will Kane's radio show. He's got this thing called More to Know. Uh, but let's find out if Will Kane needs to know more.
3: More to know. Houston
4: Astros, a do-or-die game, trailing three games to one to the Tampa Bay Rays, and then this happened.
12: One ball, one strike.
3: In the air, center field. Correa's watching. This is back!
4: So there you go. Astros win final score 4-3. The Rays have to try to eliminate them now uh, in uh, Game 6. But there's no justice in the world. Houston cheated. They get a World Series, and they're still alive. Come on. There's more to know. Here's what I want to know.
0: What do people feel out there about the Houston Astros at this moment? Because they have been completely and utterly hated and reviled because of the cheating scandal. But it was swept away by the pandemic, the riots, the racial tension in America. Politics and election. Nobody's focused on. Everyone hated the Astros before the world fell apart. And
4: now we have bigger problems. Next, uh, the NLCS game four, Braves uh, uh, beat up on Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw again. They pushed the Dodgers to the break. They're up three games to one. Now, What's at stake here for Clayton Kershaw? This is his entire legacy, man. I hear he's a great guy, but man, how many times are they going to go through this? Well, the
0: only thing you could say back to that is his legacy is almost already established. People think he is a great regular season pitcher and a playoff choker. So if he loses again, it's only going to double down on the perception people already have of Kershaw.
4: Uh, He has given up three go-ahead hits in the sixth inning or later since 2013. Next, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry will return to the U.K. for court, not for Christmas. Hold on to something tight, Will. According to sources, the couple will return to the U.K. Uh, after Christmas, specifically for the former uh, actress, because she does not want to be there for the holidays. Uh, she's going to have to go for court there, until uh, which uh, the court case will begin on January 11th. How do you feel about the breakup of the royal family? We've never really discussed this. I do not care. Really? No. Do you want to pretend to care? It's the because royal if we both don't care, it's going to be bad radio. <laughs> Somebody's got to care.
0: I care when they come over here and start telling us how to run our country. Right.
4: I can tell, Pete, you know that Will Kane's got a sports background. This is another sports story. Next, Le'Veon Bell signs with Kansas City. The Jets are paying him $6 million not to play for him. He gets a one-year deal. Now, he sat out a year rather than play for the Steelers. Goes to the Jets. Not as good a contract as you would think. been a disaster.
0: Mm-hmm. So here's the takeaway. Here's what you need to understand. Don't pay running backs. Ever. I don't think there's ever a good opportunity because they are, while good,
4: cheaply replaced. They were once one of the sexiest positions in sports. We looked at Jim Brown's record and O.J.'s going to beat it, followed by Emmitt Smith, and now we just don't pay enough attention. Next, Peloton recalls uh, recalls pedals on 27,000 bikes due to injuries. I just I got a Peloton a few months ago. I went over 100 rides by the way. The company received 120 reports of broken pedals and 16 injury claims. What do you think this does for the stock? Just 16 injury claims? Yes. 16? Yes.
0: I don't think it should do much to the stock.
4: Peloton now boasts uh, boasts 3.1 million subscribers. Another case where the pandemic worked. This stock was tanking. And all of a sudden, people's health clubs closed and you could not, you have to wait about two months for a Peloton.
0: You said you just got one?
4: Did you get one during the pandemic? Right away. The day it happened, I ordered it. I got it within 10 days, but they wouldn't bring it in the house. Really? So yeah, so we had to go and we had to go out. They left it on the porch and called us. <laughs>
0: Was it heavy to haul into your house?
4: Not pretty, I'm a very strong guy. <laughs> I'm not a swimmer like you, man. I got, I got, I got soccer muscles. <laughs>
12: from the fox news podcasts network i'm ben Dominich, publisher of the federalists and i'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going subscribe to the ben Dominic podcast subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
3: live from the fox news radio studios in new york city fresh off the set of fox and friends it's america's receptive voice Brian, kill buckle up,
4: everybody. Shannon Bream is about to join us. Lara Logan at the bottom of the hour. She's going to be talking about what's happening. The anti-Trump political forces are very similar to the terror forces, the way we took down Zarqawi. She'll expand on that. She's got a great Antifa special up on Fox Nation, too. But first things first, I do have to tell you, the President of the United States got three events planned today. The first one starts at 145. He did spend the night in Florida after a, a grilling on a town hall for an hour in Miami, Dade County. He needs Dade County, and the word is Uh, According to Marco Rubio, he's making great progress there. Did not win it last time. And then he's going to two more stops. The vice president is going to be in Michigan. Not much from Joe Biden today. And his running mate will shelve herself until Sunday because she was exposed, she says, to the coronavirus. So go figure. Let's get to the big three.
3: Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
2: What is your advice
1: about Thanksgiving?
5: I think people should be very careful and prudent about social gatherings. You may have to bite the bullet and sacrifice that social gathering.
4: Right. By getting my all my Thanksgiving advice from my scientist. COVID-19. Experts saying it would be a stay-at-home Halloween and an outdoor or no Thanksgiving. Is that the right thing to do? And is that right for you? As Europe is getting whacked by a second wave.
6: Number two. I can go through with you with a list of things that George Stephanopoulos did not ask uh, Joe Biden about. Starting with the New York Post story, a very simple question could have been, did you, yes or no, ever meet with anybody from Verisma? Their are emails saying that you did. Are those emails false or did you have such a meeting?
4: Yeah, the New York Post story, if you want to tell and Biden supporters don't want to hear, uh, he is not it's not going away as many more of the Biden family emails are beginning to surface. What we now know is coming your way when it comes to social media bias. They are going to be grilled on Capitol Hill Tuesday.
2: Number one.
6: So the you're Rick. still
7: not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I don't say I, it depends on how this turns out, not how he wins, but how it's handled.
2: You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. You didn't. You, you, you denounced white supremacy. no you, question you- I
8: denounced white supremacy, okay?
4: <laughs> Dueling town halls. The best example to date of how the media battles Trump and coddles Biden. We will uh, play the contrast to you and also talk about the simmering support underneath the radar for one Donald Trump and how 2016 reminds me a lot Uh, 2020 reminds me a lot of 2016 and oh yeah remember the debate we were supposed to have last night the moderator admitted he was kind of well lied about being hacked with us right now shannon bream hey shannon good morning brian hey uh, shannon first off on this steve scully situation uh how do you explain it i mean right away he was getting the ire of many on the right because you know look at his background intern for joe biden worked for ted kennedy had an anti-trump tweet uh never Trump, never, but he still got the job. And then he Mm -hmm. evidently uh, was upset that the president was talking about him and that he might have a bias, and he went to uh, to Anthony Scaramucci for some advice, but instead of direct tweeting him, he publicly tweeted him, and then instead of admitting it, uh, said he was hacked, and the wheels have come off. He has since been suspended. How did all this take place? Why would they pick somebody that even has the appearance
5: of bias?
1: Well, and that's the thing is that this now makes the president's case. I mean, this is the best evidence that he has for I'm never going to get treated fairly. This whole thing is a scam. The mainstream media, the presidential debate commission group, I mean, he just points to this and says, okay, you know, case closed. So they should do a better job of making sure. Listen, Steve Scully, you know, if you've met him and you know him around Washington, he's a very nice guy. And people do respect him. He's been at this at CNN or C-SPAN for decades and um, he has garnered a lot of respect on both sides of the aisle because of the way he questions and handles callers and handles you know, guests. Um, but the fact that he had connections to working for um, Biden and for Ted Kennedy and for other things, that's immediately gonna be a red flag for you know, some people. I think that you have to go as neutral as possible. There are other uh, well-established, respected people uh, in the world of journalism that you could go to who don't have Biden or Kennedy on their resume. And when this thing happened last week, I think we were all very skeptical. I know you had a, an interview the very next day with some people from the commission. In fact, yeah. Said, in fact, written... Shannon, do
4: you want to hear it? I actually have it let's pulled hear up. It. Yeah, let's hear. Here's Frank Farinkoff from the debate commission.
12: Steve is a man of great integrity, okay? He he worked for Biden. He was he was in he was in law school and he became an intern. You know, law school students are looking where they get an intern. That's when he interned from. I don't know about the this question of, of whether or not he tweeted something out, I do know, and you probably pick up on it in a minute, that he was hacked. There apparently something now that's being on television on the radio saying that he talked to Scaramucci, who's the guy who was in the White House for a while. Uh, Scaramucci and that he's been talking to Scaramucci. He was hacked. That it didn't happen.
4: And then yesterday said he made that up. And evidently it's the third time he has
7: said he was hacked.
1: Well, and listen, I don't blame the commissioner because he's acting on what Scully told him. But I think everybody from the beginning knew there's something that didn't go. Right You're going to pass some time say something cuckoo, crazy. Like,
5: yeah, and I'm to get
1: to the president. All those gotcha questions. Not should I respond to the president to Anthony Scaramucci. Clearly, you've had some kind of conversation or relationship with this person who is a sworn enemy now of the president. And why should a debate moderator, days before the matchup? be reaching out and talking to someone who is clearly an opponent of one of the two candidates.
4: And I'll tell you the difference between our company and that situation. There's somebody here at Fox that would have been eligible had we got a debate or primary to be a a moderator. And they got invited to the White House for dinner. And they said, listen, if you go, you cannot be a moderator. And he thought about it and he said, I'm going anyway. Uh, And he went. And he knew it. He cannot be a moderator. You can't be invited to the White House as a guest mm-hmm. and be a moderator. That's the difference between how Fox handles it and C-SPAN. But I think you guys share a building with C-SPAN in Washington, don't you?
1: We do. We do. And like I said, they're good folks. We have a good relationship with them. But right. this is obviously something that did not play out well for Kelly. Gotcha. Uh,
4: so yesterday, what, how did you handle it? You're doing your show, and I watched it. You did a great job. How did you handle going back and forth? You, were you sitting there in your office going back and forth between uh, town halls?
1: Yeah, I mean, and of course I got Tucker at 8 o'clock, too, so there's a lot going on. I mean, these are three things I don't want to miss. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so yeah. we had different people on our 11 o'clock team, one assigned to the Biden. Uh, town Hall one to the Trump town hall, and you know, then everybody's got Tucker on too. So um, I just kept waiting to see, and I, I kept saying to our producer uh, who was monitoring the Biden town hall, like, has he gotten a Hunter question yet? Has he gotten this or that? You know, we're trying to flip around. Clearly, there's a very dim- different atmosphere in these two town halls, but by the end, um, you know, the, our, our guy monitoring that one reports back, nope, nothing about Ukraine or Hunter. So I wasn't surprised, but this is the thing that has been the top story. In some corners, not even if you want to talk about the underlying story, but the media, social media um, angle of the story, the fact that they have shut out people from sharing and retweeting and all that kind of stuff. It's been a giant story. How there's not one question to me was, you know, not surprising, but disappointing.
4: But, you know, and the thing is, Shannon, there are emails, it's not a columnist came out with a story with an unnamed source. Are the emails your sons? Did you talk to them about it? In it, they indicate that you had a meeting on such-and-such day with the third-ranking person at Burisma. Did you know that your son is involved with this huge energy company in China? Do you understand the perception of dealing with our number-one economic and military enemy and having your son in intimate business with a government-run company of the Chinese government? You know, so this is not—I mean, you could leave it open-ended and maybe not do a follow-up and maybe frustrate people like you and me. But to not touch it just mimics the fact that it almost feels as though the game is to shoot to shoot to take Donald Trump's word rigged.
1: Well, and it goes back to the whole thing of how he can point to the Scully situation and say this proves my point. You can do it this week with Twitter and Facebook as well to say, listen, we can disagree about the underlying where it came from, who, what, but we'll all note um, Hunter Biden's team the Biden campaign, Joe Biden, no one has come out and said these were not actual emails, the veracity of them, how they came into being. I think there are a lot of questions that need to be answered about that. But if they aren't legit, tee up a question to the former vice president and say, do you denounce this? Are these emails legit or not? Do they come from Hunter? Are these all phony? I mean, at least ask that question and give them a chance to defend themselves and address the allegations. But to my knowledge, unless I missed something, you know, from sleeping in a little bit this morning, just confession, um, there's been no denial of the actual content of the emails.
4: Right, um, no denial of the content of the emails. They did that. They did come out with a statement saying the meeting didn't happen, even though they acknowledged it could have officially. happened officially. Officially, okay. Right. <laughs> so I want you to hear Byron York last night, the Washington Examiner, on special report, cut sixteen.
6: The social media angle obviously just sort of took over the story, and it is absolutely outrageous what Twitter did and what Facebook did, and its bald censorship uh, of journalism. And I think it's fine for Capitol Hill uh, to look at some of the laws uh, affecting the, uh, the social media companies. On the other hand, the big story is still the big story, which is... Did Vice President Biden, when he was vice president, uh, meet with this official from Burisma that was paying his son all of this money? Did that happen? Is that email genuine? We need to know more about the authenticity and the accuracy of the story, because that's the real story.
4: That's the real story, that you can't retweet Mm -hmm. it. It was amazing, too, Shannon, if I did see that article and thought, let me retweet this. Mike, I get locked out of my own account. Not only do they stop me, they destroy me.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, if you can very easily go out there and retweet other stories that contain information that has since proven to be false, whether it's about Carter Page and the Russia collusion stuff or anything else, I mean, that that's still available. You can still do that. So I feel like these companies, if they want to make a big statement, are going to have to show, because people don't trust them, you've got to show that you're being uniform about how you apply this. And the New York Times story that was out a few weeks ago on the president's tax returns, that is a criminal offense to publish that information, to divulge that information. None of these social media companies had any problem with that information being out there, fully tweeted and shared and everything else. So people see that and they feel that your actions, no matter what you say, are inconsistent with treating people fairly across the board.
4: So Joe Biden was asked the question about packing the court. And I want you, because you're all over this, you're a Supreme Court expert And here's
7: Joe Biden um, unpacking the court. So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I don't say uh, it depends on how this turns out. Not how he wins, but how it's handled. How it's handled. I mean, it depends on how much they rush this. Shannon, the game's, the Mm -hmm. die's been cast. We know how it's going to be
4: handled. It's going to pass in committee next week, right? Then it's going to have a floor Mm -hmm. vote. It even has Mitt Romney's vote, a thumbs up. So it's going to pass. What is he looking for? Is that just a punt?
1: I think, yeah. I think he's just buying time. I mean, the thing is, you know, he keeps saying, if I answer this, that'll be the headline. Well, that's how this works. (laughs) If you're running for president, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, we ask you questions. People ask you questions. You tell them how you're going to do this if you're the next president. And then people decide if they want to vote for you or not. I mean, am I? I feel like I'm missing something.
4: I know you're not missing anything. He keeps saying it too, and he keeps getting away with it, uh, right? So, so, do you believe that we're going to get a debate next week?
1: I really don't know. We were we were talking about this last night. I I don't know. I think. Listen, I did my very unscientific Twitter poll about when they were hemming and hawing about this last debate. Do you prefer to have them head to head, or are you okay seeing them in these separate, um, you know, events? And overwhelmingly, in my non-scientific Twitter poll, like 82, 83 percent of people said, no way, I want to see them head to head. That's, you know, that's the deal. That's the tradition. That's the only way that we can see them, um, you know, really tussle on the issues. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, I know people want it. I know the Trump campaign says they want it. The Biden campaign says they want it. So uh, listen, everybody's going to keep testing for COVID. And one of the things that the commission said Last week was, you know, the crews and the staffing they needed for these events were very nervous. They were upset that they had potentially been exposed to COVID when the president uh, and Mr. Biden, you know, were head to head. And then he later finds out within a couple of days. Well, NBC and ABC were able to fully staff events with the two of them last night with cameras and audio and lighting and tech. I mean, they were able to do it. They were able to come up with people. So Mm -hmm. I don't think the commission can use that excuse this time.
4: Shannon, I'm going to watch you tonight, and then you're going to party like it's it's not 2020. (laughs) Anything
1: but 2020. That's the theme of the party.
4: All right. Thanks, Shannon. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Great work. Uh, we're going to come back and take your calls. Wow, uh, lines are jammed. 1 408 7669. A lot to discuss. And at the bottom of the hour, another special guest. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: It's Brian Kilmeade A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Now let me be clear, I don't know if these New York Post stories are true or not. Those are questions Vice President
0: Biden should answer. But Twitter and Facebook and big tech billionaires don't get to censor political speech and actively interfere in the election. That's what they're doing right
4: now. And the CEO is going to get an invitation, and he's going to get a subpoena this week to come next week. Uh, They're in trouble. People are fed up on both sides of the aisle. I can't believe Republicans and Democrats have brought up on that. Now, the scary thing is they've been driving, not Twitter, but Facebook in particular, they've been driving the market, Google, driving the market. And if you start breaking them up and making them unsavory, you're going to see the market come down. But I think we we got to at some point get some control of our communications. Beth listening in Schenectady, New York on WQBK. Hey, Beth.
11: Hi. Um, so I, I, I'm going to start this off that I think that – so you know where I'm coming from. I think the Democratic Party is too conservative for me, so you're going to be surprised that I'm calling in. But I I listen to everybody, so I am I don't want to talk about myself, but I'm going to mention the World Health Organization has done a turnaround about um, these lockdowns um, because it's doing what everybody expected. If you can telework or telecommute, you, you're fine. But for people who can't telecommute – Either getting really sick, they're doing these really horribly hard jobs, or they're not working at all. We're, you know, it's, it's, it's done a number on my income, and so I just thought I'd mention that. Um, I used to actually volunteer for the Democratic Party, and I stopped about 30 years ago because I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get into that. But the, I, I thought I'd mention the World Health Organization. Right.
4: So, Beth, is your point the lockdowns too much? Right. It the yeah, the price we I, pay. It,
11: it, it's destroying, it's, 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 you know, even when I go to the grocery store and I see how hard the people are working in the grocery store with those masks on, having a hard time breathing, and they, they can't take them off, um, without, and it's just, yeah, the lockdown, the lockdown is too much. It's and, and by the, the way, Schenectady
4: is coming back, right? You guys had a couple of tech firms move in there, and there's a town upstate. I was there recently about a year ago. I could not believe the positive change. Is it still positive?
11: Well, Schenectady's got its issues, but actually you'd be surprised the number one income maker in New York State is dairy. People don't know that. Um I try to support a local dairy farm. Um I am I am like I said I'm the opposite of your show, but I don't find a home with the Democrats either. So I, there is tech here, um, but the, the number one, at least a few years back, the number one job creator is actually dairy farms, and, and I know they're being hit, especially small, gotcha. independent dairy farms.
4: Beth, thanks so much. I want to move on. Jamie, listen on WABC in New York. Jamie.
11: Um, I wanted to just tell you uh, quickly about um, what happened the other night. I was um, posting um, on Facebook about the New York Post article, and this is like at 10.30 at night, and I sent it to a bunch of my friends, and then I woke up a couple hours later just to check my messages and stuff at like 12 at night, and I was disabled. My account was disabled, and then my business account was disabled too, and I was closed down for five months. I own a yoga studio, and I used Facebook and, you know, Zoom to keep my business afloat. So having it shut down actually not yeah. only was just a personal affront, but it, 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 it's been my business.
4: Wow. Thanks so much, uh, Jamie. I'm sorry that happened, but now you probably have to find another venue. You cannot depend on Facebook or Twitter.
12: With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com.
3: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: I think Twitter's response to the actual uh, uh, article itself uh, makes clear that these, uh, you know, purported allegations are false uh, and they're not true. Uh, and I'm glad to see, you know, to see, uh, you know uh, social media companies like Twitter taking responsibility to limit misinformation.
4: Uh, and that, of course, is uh, not, of course, but Jamal Brown. He's on Chatter. This is a, another channel out there. He's a Biden campaign national press secretary, and he thinks it's so great that Twitter and Facebook took down this horrible report of the actual emails of Hunter Biden, which no one has inauthenticated. In fact, The New York Post has authenticated, as did Rudy Giuliani. Joining us now, Laura Logan, multiple award-winning investigative journalist, Fox Nation host of Lara Logan Has No Agenda. Lara, welcome back. Thank you so much, Brian. So I just thought about you when it came with the social media controversy. Uh, Are you surprised, as I am, that Twitter would immediately see this story and block it? And if you tried to retweet it, they'd, they'd shelve your account, as did Facebook?
10: Yes. I was surprised because, I mean, everybody knows that there's been an increasing amount of censorship. It's been ramping up towards the election. But it was so blatant. And in this case, um, really, really impossible to justify. So that surprised me. And then what surprised me even more, Brian, in fact, I would say shocked, was that when they were so exposed, everybody could see it. I mean, to the point where Jack Dorsey has to you know, issue a sort of a half-hearted, uh, pathetic apology. I mean, my opinion, pathetic, because it doesn't address the substance, right? It addressed only the handling of it. Um, then what did they do? They just doubled down. I mean, they didn't back down. They doubled down and, um, and escalated, right, because they're still, um, they're still continuing, even though they're exposed. And what I've learned in, in my work is that when someone is doing something like that, you know, when they're being so blatant and they're giving up what is essentially their cover, right, um, because they've been doing this and getting away with it without being so exposed, That means that what they believe they're gaining is more than what they're giving up. It's more than what they're losing. And that's what I find particularly concerning. And that's what I'm trying to understand. What is it that they're gaining that's so valuable to them that they're willing to sacrifice their neutrality?
4: That's a great point, because next week they're coming in in front of Congress, Senate, and there's going to be Republicans and Democrats skewering them for what they're doing in terms of squelching communications and dominating social media and not be, and being impervious to being uh, sued. So right now, on the surface, Lara, it seems to have blown up in their face to a degree. Because now we're talking about this story everywhere because of how it's, they're trying to limit this story. But yet the fact but that George Stephanopoulos didn't bring it up last night shows that maybe they're winning.
10: Right. Exactly. They're, that's exactly right, Brian. I mean, so there's an outrage everywhere. But what do we find all the time? That the outrage only matters when it's in one space, when it's in this dominant information space where you have the networks and legacy media and, you know, basically all of the media that is considered and regarded and treated by our society as being credible and everybody else, you know, you, me, because we're not in that space. um, We're not. We're not as good. We're not as credible. We're biased and they're truth tellers. And, you know, that's Um, That is, is a false construct. It's not actually true. And millions of people in this country know it's not true. That's why they've turned away from the media. And yet they still get away with it because they have information dominance, and because there is a lack of Democrats and Republicans, both of them, standing up and doing anything about it. It's left to us, one by one by one, when we're targeted and falsely smeared, it's left to us to fight those battles on our own. And uh, and that is an almost impossible task for anyone. People are still doing it, and one by one, they're gradually carving out a piece of ground, right, like Nick Sandman winning his cases. and uh, But it's still, when you look at the weight of what they have in their favor, its we still all feel drowned out. But it doesn't change the fact that we have the truth on our side. And the truth is that Twitter and all these people are not neutral. And they're not just neutral publishers. And they don't deserve immunity from prosecution. And they've been allowed to develop a monopoly in cyberspace that, that no government in the United States in our lifetimes would have allowed to exist in the real world or in any other business sphere. And this um, is... You know, it's not a partisan issue. It may be seen by a lot of people as a partisan issue, but the reality is that right now it suits one side. But you don't know how long that's going to last because when you give them that kind of power, they can use it any way they choose.
4: Right. So I see that maybe down the line, but not right now. And to to your point, uh, political donations have to be declared. Ninety eight point nine percent of all political donations from Twitter employees go to Democrats 1% went to Republicans. Facebook, 91.6% of all political donations go to Democrats. 8% go to Republicans. Individual and PAC donations combined. So we know exactly what, what the makeup of their employee
5: base is.
10: Oh, and it's worse than that, Brian, because they literally have people working for them that, you know, ran, for example, one of them is Kamala Harris's, um, uh, one of her staffers is very senior at Facebook. I mean, you also have the person at Twitter who's responsible for um, all of this and for deciding what's, you know, neutral and not neutral and what can pass, what's fact and not. I mean, it, just go to his Twitter feed. It's unbelievable the um, the hatred that he has for one side and, you know, for a political view that, that isn't in line with his. And he's blatant about it. So it, it's they don't even um, hide it. And on top of that, All of these tech companies also own all of this information, right? I mean, we delude ourselves into thinking that they're our photographs or our messages or our children's school records on Google Classroom because we click a box that says, you know, um, that this is how I want my stuff to be used. Um, But we don't actually own it in the end. You know, if you really drill down on it. Google and Apple and all these companies own what's on their platform, and they own all of that data, and they're not using it just uh, for our benefit. Primarily, they're using it for their own benefit, and we don't even know the half of it, right? There's a documentary called The Creepy Line, which is a very, very interesting documentary about how Google has been shifting and manipulating elections all over the world, and uh, it's really worth watching. It's very well done.
4: Oh well, no, I thought it's the Russians. We all know that. So what's oh, interesting- everything's
10: the Russians, Brian. It's one under every rock.
4: So let me see: the Twitter and Facebook clearly against the president. Uh, every media outlet except it. Fox clearly against the president. And as the president knows, we're not twenty-four hours selling the president's message here. There's a lot of people that yeah. are. We have a lot of opinions. You don't have to flip around to get other opinions, to say to say the least. But still. There's a lot of evidence. If you see the size of his crowds, if you see the pattern from 2016, if you see this thing called battleground they, they have uh, uh, signups, first time voters uh, registration yep. in battleground yep. states in Pen- you would not think this in Arizona, New Mexico in Pennsylvania and in Wisconsin. Republicans have kicked butt over Democrats on signups. If you hear the stories and read the news, you would think Trump's getting four votes. It's a different story on the ground.
10: You know, Brian, it's so interesting that you say this because as a journalist, from the very beginning of the Russia story, you know, it was uncomfortable for me because it was very obvious that this was not true. I mean, you don't have to be a journalist of, you know, 40 years to look at a document that doesn't have a single direct source. And and uh, already begin to ask questions, right? And then doesn't even have a secondary source. And then you see that the sources are Russian. And you know, as it all comes out, and when you when you can find five blatant falsehoods in one document in the space of you know a couple of days, you the normal standard is to disregard it. So, I you know I was very quickly came to a place where I could see these things that were not true, and that automatically, whether you're defined by politics or not, what they do is they use it to define you. So so I've looked at this and. and. I thought, how can you still have people in this country who still believe that the president is a Russian asset or who still believe that Carter Page was a Russian spy or who still think that Mike Flynn is guilty? Like, how is that possible? And so I tried to put myself in the position of someone who believes that and look at the world through their perspective. And you know what I found is that the reason this is happening Literally, there are people who actually believe that the polls are accurate and that um, Biden, who's barely been out there, who's not campaigning and who clearly is not in possession of all of his, you know, faculties at this point, that he somehow is winning. And not only that, they'll tell you that, well, his his, you know, his mental issues are not as bad as they make out on Fox or anywhere else. But I will say to them that, okay, so you're an employer and somebody comes to a job interview (laughs) and you notice that they have a tiny misstep. That they're older and they've got a little bit of, you know, dementia setting in or a little bit of memory loss or whatever that is. Do you hire them? And every one of them says no. So what I say is, well, it really doesn't matter the degree. But if you live in that world, what you're doing is you're reading the New York Times or you're going on having to post Politico. You're turning on the networks or CNN and MSNBC. You literally today still think That the FBI didn't do anything wrong. That um, the client Smith, the lawyer who admitted to defrauding the, the FISA court and falsifying evidence, did, you know, he only did a small thing. It was a minimal thing. It wasn't important. It wasn't significant. That there was no real, that Donald Trump was guilty. They just couldn't prove it. And uh, that there was nothing significant that any of the inspector generals found or, you know, nothing significant in the transcripts of people like Ben Rhodes and James Clapper and John Brennan, who said one thing under oath and the exact opposite when they were on air that day. I mean, <clears throat> these people literally live in a bubble where um, a large part of what they're fed every single day is blatantly false. And when people say to me, oh, you know, you know, the left and the right, they're the same, Fox News and MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, Sean Hannity, they all lie. They all you know, manipulate things. They all just give their biased opinion. What I always say to them, Brian, is there's one critical difference, one difference, and it's the only difference I care about. The fact is that what Sean Hannity was reporting about Russia collusion was true. It didn't happen and it didn't exist. And there were bad people, very powerful people who were very bad, who did terrible things to the American people and committed crimes and have so far gotten away with it. And when Rachel Manning goes out every night and tells you Trump and Deutsche Bank, Trump and Russia, Trump and Putin, and by the way, she's not the only one, you know, um, there's more of them, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell and all the others on that platform, they're still saying it. And then they allow people to come on their platforms and still say it and repeat the same lies, even though we all know that it's not true anymore. That's the difference. And that is what is really dangerous about what's happening with big tech. Because they are now um, not just mildly complicit, they are actively and aggressively complicit. And if you speak to people who work in this realm, they'll tell you that what's been happening for a long time is not just the censorship, but all of the assets that you can purchase to boost your posts and to reach more people, and um, to access the data from your posts. All of those services have been significantly restricted across all social media platforms to anybody who's on the right, whether you're you know, running for office or whether you're uh, seen as somebody like Candace Owens. And then beyond that, the data that you get, your ability then to reach people by email, right? You may have followers, you can email them directly. Google has been restricting that traffic. And then to text them, there's been deals ma- made with uh, telephone companies, the so, right—you know—I don't want to say names because. Um I um, I'd rather just keep it vague at this point, that there are telephone carriers and wireless carriers who are doing the same thing, tricting, restricting text messages and your ability to reach people through that way. So what we're, what we're looking at right now is an information war that is a fundamentally important part of a major insurgency that is happening across this country. And people literally believe that Donald Trump um, said bad things about the military because that's what he what he uh, thinks, because there, there's there been no balance Lara, to the coverage.
4: And I just want to I want to bring this up because Donald Trump has strengths and one of them is law and order. One of them is his reputation with the military as being strong on defense. And if you want to yep. hurt Donald Trump, you show that cities are out of control under his reign. And then you bring up this 2018 Atlantic story and say that he thinks everybody in the military are losers and suckers. He vehemently denies, and, of course, he is law and order, and the cops are beginning to make that out and have run to his side. But someone out there seems to be wanting to attack Donald Trump at his strengths and prove he's a straw man. Are they being successful?
10: Well, this is is a combination of right and left. Make no mistake, this is not just people on the left that are doing this. This is people on the right, Republicans, who are working with the left, people like the Lincoln Project, Um, And Never Trumpers and organizations like the McChrystal Group, a private company that is working with Defeat Disinfo, which is a super PAC on the the left that is designed supposedly falsely, it says, to defeat disinformation, but it's really pushing disinformation. And they have combined their forces and their resources and their money, and they're using assets like artificial intelligence and other forms of technology and social media Mm -hmm. to identify the strongest counter-narratives and to target their propaganda and their messaging and their disinformation on what are the strongest narratives. And they're using tactics and techniques and programs that were initially developed using taxpayer money to to, uh, protect this country against its enemies, Um, foreign enemies, external enemies, not its own people. And these are effectively weapons of war. We don't look at them the same way because, you know, a bomb is a bomb, right? And a gun is a gun. And we look at information warfare. It's something that you can't physically see a lot of the time. But it is – I have spoken to intelligence professionals across the spectrum who do this for a living. And – All of them will tell you that this is the equivalent of dropping a J-DAM on an American city. That's why you have the old adage that the pen is mightier than the sword. And this is information warfare at its very worst. And And you only have to look at the actions of the president to know it's not true. And it's not because I support the president. It's because I care about the truth. And that's really the the principle that people lose here, because they want you to focus on every annoying thing that you may not like about Donald Trump or the way he communicates or what he says. But when you look at his actions, which they don't want you to do, because that's where the substance lies. That is where the information space and perception is most effective.
4: Larry Logan very well said. And keep in mind, he's still getting the big crowds, and he's still within striking distance in almost every state.
10: deny the truth, Brian. Right. You can lie about it. You can misrepresent it, but you can't actually alter it.
4: Yeah, because there's real American people out there and they're only judge and jury. Laura Logan, thanks so much. Go check out her series, Fox Nation. She's the host of Laura Logan Has No Agenda. And man, uh, is she great. Uh, Laura, thanks so much.
10: Love talking to
3: you. Thank you.
4: Back, uh, back in a moment.
3: You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Hey, welcome back, everyone. 1-866-408-7669. Great talking to Lara Logan. She's uh, fantastic, and she's an investigative reporter without peer. And she also is somebody so principled she will not back down. I don't know who she's voting for, but what she sees is rapid in, uh, and in, uh, injustice, and she's standing up for it. She sees everyone skewing towards one time uh, towards one candidate. And it's, uh, it's a candidate that she thinks getting a raw deal. Keep in mind, as I brought this up, J.P. Morgan did this study, and they said the 2020 race may be much closer than everybody thinks. So far, this year's campaign may be won or lost in the same battleground states as you know. And keep in mind, if you compare what's going on in these states with something the Republicans have done and got no credit for, and they don't want credit for it, but it's, it's noticed, and that's register voters in New Mexico uh, the registered Democrats in Arizona will uh, register Republicans out-registered uh, out Democrats in both those states. In Florida and North Carolina, Trump may be, take those states by a larger margin than the first campaign, according to this J.P. Morgan study. They believe the surge in the numbers of registered Republicans will deliver that state. In Pennsylvania, for example, a blue-leaning state, of course, before Trump came along and won by 44,000 votes, uh, the Republican Party has since picked up 200,000 Registered voters. And the, a lot of the people that call themselves and labeled in this category white, high school educated, non college educated voters have registered at a huge rate. And they, for the most part, if there's any area or sect that tends to be in Trump's corner, it's that group. Factor in his increase in Latino support, and they expect an increase in black support. So for those who say it's hopeless, Go inside the numbers. There's a reason why Trump still feels he is actually winning right now and he's not selling. He believes it, and there's a reason why.
12: The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.